Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Pulse of St. Louis. I'm Shirley Washington. Tonight, we take a closer look at the Soul Fisher Ministries. The local nonprofit is improving the lives of children and adults in the Gateway City area, and it's holding a ribbon cutting ceremony for its new office building on Monday. Joining me now, Keyshawn Kramer. He's a freshman at Lutheran North High School and a participant. And Dr. Elizabeth Perkins. She is the president of the St. Louis Community College at Florissant Valley. Melissa Douglas. She is the founder of Gold Driven Counseling. And Chantel Fisher. She is the founder and CEO of the Soul Fisher Ministries. Thank you all so much for being here. I appreciate it. Chantel, let's start with you first. Give me the history of the Soul Fisher Ministries. How did it come about? So the Soul Fisher Ministries came about, um, it basically started with the class that I took at UMSO. Um, at that particular time, I was a student at Flow Valley, and I took a class um, called the Neighborhood Leadership Academy. And in that class, it was about um, developing a business proposal. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought it would basically teach me how to be a better leader. And so I really didn't want to do the class, and they just encouraged me to stick with it, and I did. And so they kind of helped me identify something that, that I felt that I could do, something that I felt that I could do well, and something I felt I could see myself doing for a long time. And so um, me being a woman of faith, um, I prayed about it, and the Soul Fisher Ministries is what God gave me. And so they asked, like, I told them I would like to tutor, and they would say, well, who would you tutor? And I said, kids. And um, they said, what kids? And so I, I thought back to a time when I myself um, was involved with the criminal justice system, and um, my daughter needed help with her academics, and so tutoring was the way. So I said that I could tutor kids who had an incarcerated parent, and then doing that, also during the time when I was involved with the criminal justice system, I saw a lot of women that really didn't have the familial support that I had. They didn't see um, their kids. They didn't have um, visits and things like that. So I said that I could be a support for those women as they transition back into the community. So how were you involved in the criminal justice system? Um, I spent over um, 20 years of my life cycling in and out of, out of prison in a cycle of recidivism. Um, convicted at a very young age when I was 17 at a time when I probably probably just needed a social worker but instead um, I was sent away to prison and that led me to cycling in and out and being stuck in the cycle of recidivism for over 20 years of my life. Can I ask what was your crime? Um, it was all usually um, related to white collar crime, so writing bad checks mainly um, to, I had at the time I was a 15 year old mom, and so at 17 I had a two year old kid, um, not knowing that if I wrote bad checks that it could land me in prison, which is exactly what it did, and then once I got the conviction, it was just really kind of hard for me to gain my bearings and get back on my feet and be the mom that my daughter really needed me to be, and that cycle just kept me funneling in and out of the criminal justice system. How tough was it for you being a parent incarcerated knowing your daughter was out there and she needed you. It was quite tough. Um, what was unique for me though is that she had an amazing dad um, that stepped in and was just willing to be there in my absence. Um, and what, what, what was also unique was the idea that he felt it important that she have a relationship with her mom no matter where I was. Mm -hmm. So he made sure that I had visits with her, that she wrote me, that I could communicate with her via telephone and things like that. I love the fact that you have turned your life around and you're such a leader in the community and people really look up to you and inspired by your story. Thank that touches you. me. And Thank I you. so I congratulate you for that. But 
before I move on to some of the other guests, tell me about the mission of the Soul Fisher Ministry. So our mission is to respond to the needs of youth with incarcerated parents and to promote restorative justice for women who are involved with the criminal justice system. And so we do that through two programs. One is our Educate Now to Achieve Later program, and we just really use the acronym ENOW. So if you say Educate Now to Achieve Later, most people wouldn't know, but if you say, oh yeah, the ENOW program, mm -hmm. and that's a program that currently operates in the Riverview Garden School District. And so we are at Coke Elementary School and Westview Middle School, and we go in five days a week and provide tutoring and math, reading, ELA, and then we provide a host of enrichment. So the St. Louis Science Center is one of our partners. They come in and provide weekly project-based learning. Um, Global Hack is another one of our partners. They come in and teach our babies online coding. Bricks for Kids comes in and they do um, robotics with our kids. And then of course, Melissa Douglas comes in and she does all of our character ed. So her and her team come in and they work um, with the kids on, you know, um, self-esteem, leadership, and things like that. And then the other side of our mission is our Agape program, which is really my baby. And that's our reentry program. And so through partnership with the Missouri Department of Corrections, St. Louis Community College, goal-driven counseling, again, um, we go in and we start working with the women about six months prior to their release, um, teaching things like financial literacy, um, career readiness. We do a class called Identity to really help women identify who they were created to be, um, knowing that it was and a, they're not a sum of the mistakes that they've made. Um, and then we also are proud to be working on and about to implement our college degree program through partnership with St. Louis Community College. And then we recently just received a, a huge grant from the Department of Justice um, to provide supportive housing once they transition back in the community. Awesome, I wanna talk a little bit more about okay. that program <laughs> later in the show. Thanks. So Keyshawn, tell me a little bit about your involvement in the program. Um, I joined when I was in seventh grade sixth grade uh -huh. and we was I was doing it because I was like my dad he was incarcerated and then I just came up and she chose me to be a junior leader and then I had went to the gala for like speaking on my dad being incarcerated and then I had she had said that um, I could choose a private school to go to and I chose Lutheran North because it was like close to home and I knew that I was gonna be able to go so then now I'm doing great in school, and I actually like it. Oh, that's so awesome. Give me a high five. That's what we'll talk about. Bam. So tell me, what do you like most about the program? Um, being at the school with people, like, they help you. They actually help you with your homework and math, like, that you struggle with in school, that the teachers can't always get one-on-one -on -one time with you with. And, like, being out there, like, they teach, let us play, like, sports, and they have the programs that we do, like, the Global Hacks. It was actually fun, and then other things. Well, I think that's terrific. I am so proud of you. You got to keep it up now, okay? Yes, ma'am. All right, Dr. Perkins, just give me a sense of how important is it for people involved in this program to realize the opportunities that are available to them if they take advantage of these programs and then what it can mean for their future, especially as we talk about the educational component. Right, so I think Chantel is kind of a living embodiment that education can transform someone's life. Um, and I, I truly believe that, of course, being an educator for all of my professional life. Um, the women who are in this program, uh, the new college program, are actually going to do their education while they're still incarcerated. Um, so they will actually graduate with an associate's degree and leave with a credential in hand so that they can go on and get their bachelor's degree. It's a very different kind of program from a lot of other prison education programs because it allows them to work toward a bachelor's degree. A lot of other programs are focused on uh, one CTE or career and technical education skill set. So they learn one trade or one skill. 
the difference in the program that Chantel and I have built together, mostly Chantel, um, is we try to make something that's more well-rounded so that they get communication skills, they learn uh, how to set goals, they have all of those you know, same math, science, history requirements as everybody else, but they take business classes, computer classes, et cetera, so that they're fully ready to go right back into the workforce and continue their education as well. And that has got to be tremendous for self-esteem, to yes. know that you are leaving the system prepared yes. with a degree and to seek a job in the career that you've chosen and to be able to support yourself. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing like being a college graduate. And if you've ever graduated, anyone who's graduated from college remembers that feeling on graduation. It, it brings pride to your entire family. Um, shows that you know, even if for a lot of students who are first-generation college students, that one person in to the college system changes the trajectory for every other person in your family. So, I mean, to accomplish such an incredible feat for anyone is a really big goal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And could be a ticket out of poverty. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about goal setting because it sounds like a part of this program with mm -hmm. the women who are earning their degrees, that's goal setting. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about that and the importance of setting goals. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly important. But one thing that I'm so glad that Chantel values is uh, when we think about just education or life skills or just the day-to-day the -day living things, um, sometimes we don't think about how much of an emotional and mental part that, that goes into that. So um, goal setting critical skills are, they're the, the foundation of everything that, we'll, that we do in life, but if we don't first look at the mindset and the emotional and the mental state, um, that just strengthens our ability to not only make our goals, but to achieve our goals. Um, so I'm just, just happy that she values um, and really understands how important the incorporation of mental health is so that all of the uh, participants in the programs can be successful. And, I, and to your point, I think you're absolutely right. Talking about mental health is significant. Yeah. And a lot of these women who are incarcerated perhaps may even feel depressed, mm -hmm. may feel ostracized, may feel isolated. So talk a little bit about that. What do you do to keep your spirits up and to, to be mentally strong and to stay focused? Yes, while incarcerated? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a lot. Of, I think one of the hugest thing is, is participating. So decreasing that that isolation and that withdrawal that can happen when you are in prison because because you are so all of the programs that Chantel offers to get out and to learn and to commune with the other women in a way to strengthen um, themselves, I think is a huge thing because it, it builds community in in some way and in a positive way. So I think absolutely getting together with the other women, um, learning positive skills, building those skills, and then not being afraid to talk about mental health right then and there. Um, I go with Chantel once a month to the, the pre-release program and we just have an open conversation and we normalize talking about mental health. The words depression and anxiety and stress, like they don't have to be such scary words that have to be big secrets. And so I just think the, the regular conversation to again normalize these things and know that it's an uh, experience that we all have in some degree and form just helps. And it's no different than if you fall down and break your leg or break your arm, you're Absolutely. gonna go to the doctor and get treatment for that, right? Yeah, okay, so I wanna, Chantel, when we come back, I wanna talk a little bit more about your personal experience. Okay. So we gotta take a break, stay with us, we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Pulse of St. Louis. Tonight we are learning more about an incredible nonprofit called the Soul Fisher Ministries, and it offers all kinds of programs to adults who have been incarcerated and to their children who are at home. And 
Chantel, before we went to break, I said I wanted to talk with you more about your personal experience because, Melissa, we were talking about mental health, the, the importance of not being afraid to talk about mental health, depression, anxiety, and fears, and that kind of thing. But when you were incarcerated, did you feel depressed? What was it like for you in that regard? Um, I really don't think that I, I felt it as depression. I knew something was going on. Um, I knew there was this cycle, this, like, dark cloud that was over my life, and it just seemed like that I could not come from up under that dark cloud, and it was until like the last time that I went to prison um, and that was the moment that I surrendered my life to Christ and that was when I felt that dark cloud lift and that's when I just began to see that there was a lot going on with me you know what was it at, at the age of 15 that I felt the need to have sex and become a young teenage mom what was it for me at the age of 17 when I was always a scholar even like through my college years I never made any grade outside of an A what was it at 17 that made me feel that I needed to take the path that will lead me to prison because that's not what I saw my mom and dad went to work every day. My mom worked for the railroad for 36 years until she retired. So that's not what I learned. And so I knew that I had to have something going on even though I never had a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so I said, no, it's important. This needs to be the center because if my mind is not right, nothing about me can be right. Absolutely. So how did you find the answer? Uh, my, for me, it was mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. And so through my schooling, so I'm a social worker by um, profession now. I'm LMSW working on my LCSW and through that that's when I really begin to see the individualized needs that people have, um, the individualized services that people need. So when you're involved with the criminal justice system they kind of just lump you together and all of you need anger management, all of you need budgeting, all of you, but that's not necessarily, necessarily the, the case with women particularly. We have a uniqueness of needs that are particular to us and they're not the same as men but the criminal justice system um, historically has been made around or designed around men. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that was when I began to see. For me, it was when I surrendered my life to Christ and I was just able to just start seeing life differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, they probably look at it as one size fits all. Yes. Yeah. And that's not the case. It's not. Even if you look at the dress. So the women wear the same uniforms that the men wear. They wear the same shoes that the men wear. And women, they just need to feel different, you know what I'm saying? And they don't get that in the criminal justice mm -hmm. system. So Dr. Perkins, I know you work closely with Chantel and yes. hearing these stories, did that help you as you drew up and planned the programs that would be implemented through her nonprofit? Absolutely, so a lot of the curriculum that we chose um, was focused a lot on, on communication. So interpersonal communication, um, group communication, how to present yourself in the business, how to feel more confident about what you have to say because we want them to know that they have important things to say and they're an important part of our society and our communities. And so every class that we chose was kind of focused toward that empowerment. We have some pictures that we're putting on the screen now of some of the classes. Tell me about the different kinds of classes that are implemented. Yeah. Okay, so um, th that looks like one of our financial literacy classes. So that's like our big class. Everybody loves the financial literacy course. Um, and, and when we first started doing the class, of course, when we first started, I did everything. And so I taught the very first financial literacy class, and I found like most of the women like, I don't trust banks. And I was like, 
okay? Because I've always used banks since I was a kid. <laughs> they was like, I was like, so where do you like keep your money? So just being able to teach them those, those skills, and I think they really want to learn those skills. Mm -hmm. They're just not something they ever had the opportunity to learn. Um, then we also do um, a class, Making Peace. We did Making Peace with Your Past, but our last class was in the fall because they stopped making the workbook and we replaced that with identity, mm -hmm. which is, like I said, it's designed to help them see who they were created to be, not what they've done. And these are lifelong skills yes. that you need to survive. And yes. if these, these women are getting their degrees, they're going to be making money. Yes. They have to know how to make their money yes. last and how to invest their money and how to right. use the banking system. All that stuff is important. Yes. Now, Keyshawn, he's sitting here. He's like, well, you're not talking to me. I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> tell me, tell me, how did you stay in touch with your dad when your dad was in course, incarcerated? Um, visitations and phone calls. And phone calls. Did you write him letters too? No. I was young. You were young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how old were you? He was in prison before I was born. Mm-hmm. And he got out when I was seven. When so you were seven? Young. Yeah. You were still young. So what is your relationship like now with your dad? Kind of rocky, but we're patching things up. Yeah. Well, that's good. And don't give up on that. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about your plans. I know you're in high school. You're a freshman. Mm-hmm. Yes. So tell me about that. Um, like. When I'm, when I'm going after high school? Yeah, what are you doing after high school? See, right now, I don't know, but like, usually I like to do things involving math and like a little bit of science, but not mostly science. That's awesome because there are a lot of incredible careers that are rooted in math and science. So you could be a doctor, you could be a computer scientist, you could be anything you want to be. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome, yes. So Melissa, let's talk a little bit more though about um, making sure our women feel that confidence and exude that confidence. Yeah, um, to, to speak off something that Chantel said earlier, um, a, a federal, federal bureau report from 2005 showed that um, incarcerated women actually were more likely than men to either have a, already have a mental health diagnosis, ha to have had treatment already, or to show strong signs. And so just to know that, so to hear her speak about making peace with your past, um, and if, if they're incarcerated, they've committed a crime. And so really facing that, I think, is, is a huge thing. Um, but then extending that with identity and confidence, um, I just think it, it really pulls everything together to help them to re-enter into society and just have a clean and a fresh start and a better understanding of who they are, that what they did and who they were doesn't have to be who they are in the future. Um, it helps them to build self-esteem. It helps them to understand their experiences. Um, a lot of times when we're talking about self-esteem or confidence or mental health and all those kind of things, we don't always give the how. You know, we say, well, we wanna, you need to have high self-esteem or you need to have high confidence, but they're like, how the heck do I do that? Great point. You know? Great point. <laughs> so the, Great the point. very just breaking down of, again, normalizing these conversations um, and then taking it back to when we talk about building self-esteem and confidence, a lot of times that was broken or wasn't established in childhood mm -hmm. somewhere or young adulthood or early, you know, right. In right. any of those stages. And right. so um, I love that we have the opportunity to have very one-on-one, -on -one, as she said, individualized, because this woman's experience may not be this woman's experience, but one thing that we see every month when we go talk to those women is they're anxious about getting released and going back home. A lot of them have families, a lot of them have children, a lot of them have old environments that they wanna learn and know, how do I not navigate this the same way that I did before? Right. Um, and so just, I think all of that, just being able to have those raw, conversations and see women who are very serious 
about change and knowing that they have a whole team and community now around them to help them do that. I think that's just the key to confidence and self-esteem is that you don't have to do it alone. Yeah, I've got to take a break, but when we come back, Chantel and Dr. Perkins, I want to talk a little bit more about how do you make sure that women are prepared to re-enter their communities, especially if you're going back to an environment that probably wasn't a healthy environment yeah. for you. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that when we come back. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Pulse of St. Louis. Before we went to break, we said we wanted to talk a little bit more about helping women who have been incarcerated re-enter society and do so in a healthy fashion so that they can be confident and they can be successful. Mm -hmm. So Chantel, just tell me a little bit more about that because I understand that that can be a huge challenge mm -hmm. for some women, especially when you go back to the same environment that you were in initially that landed you perhaps where you were to be incarcerated. Mm -hmm. um, and that's huge because I know a lot of the women, they say like, if I just relocate, I'll be able to do better. And I kind of remind them that wherever you go, there you are. Mm -hmm. So it's really not the people and it's really not the environment, it's you and your mindset. Mm -hmm. So I'm born and raised in St. Louis and I was able to, once I made up my mind that I was gonna be a bit different person and do different things, I'm just fine in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And people that I used to hang with and hustle with and do whatever with, they see me and they just wave and just keep moving because they know I'm a different person. Mm -hmm. But you, you need help getting to that place. So the last time when I was getting ready to get released from prison, I reached out to um, Professor Steve Bay at St. Louis Community College because I knew people had always said how smart I was, how pretty I was, but I just never really knew what to do with it all. So I reached out to um, Steve Bay and he said, well, if you're interested, um, you know, when you get out, give me a call. He said, I'm not that concerned about where you've been. I'm more concerned about where you're going. And that was transformative for me. And he meant it. And so when I got out and contacted him, the rest is history. So I did my whole year, um, two-year degree program at Flow Valley in one year, um, received a full tuition scholarship from um, St. Louis Community College as all Missouri academic to UMSO, where I did a double bachelor degree in two years and transferred to Wash U where I did a full fellowship and a, a dual master degree in social work and divinity, a four-year program in three years. Look so at you. I had the support this right. time though. Right, right, right. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. But it was in yeah. me all along, right. but people had to help right. me Bring it out and help realize you recognize it. Yes, that it was yeah. there. Yes, it absolutely. There. And, and I love the fact that you say it's a mindset. Yes. It's, it's a, a mindset. It so Dr. Perkins, how do you encourage women? Because I'm sure at some point they feel like, oh, I don't know if I can, you know, go to college and you know I wasn't a great student in high school or I dropped out of high school or I was in college and I dropped out of college right. but you can do it yes right and I think part of the strength of the program is that we have Chantel who's there in she's my awesome <laughs> yeah. and she we went for our first information sessions she told them uh, you know you have no excuses because look at all of these amazing things that I've done and it's absolutely true so I think having a really strong role model is a big part of it um, another thing is getting the right faculty members to be a part of the program um, and I'm very proud to be a part of the Florissant Valley campus of St. Louis Community College and, and STLCC in general our faculty are very dedicated to student success across the district um, and Chantel is actually one of the instructors so she teaches the very first class that they will be taking starting the summer we hope so yeah that's great yeah yes Keyshawn tell me about your support system who, who do you rely on who do you depend on who do you go to when you need someone to talk to um, my mom Miss Fisher mm -hmm. and Miss Blair yes yes and then tell me about your relationship that you have with Miss Fisher in the program oh it's like a real type bomb. Like she's my, my second mother. 
And she gets on me every time I do something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She keeps you on the straight and narrow, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. In the time I'm doing something wrong, <laughs> I'm always in trouble. She tried to take your phone. She tried to yeah. 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 take, take your phone. phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like texting, texting no, your friends. I wasn't doing anything. I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You have a great support system in place, mm -hmm. and they only have your best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. So continue to build on that relationship and to stand by them and listen to them, because like I said, they only want what's best for you. Mm -hmm. And Chantel, I mean, you, you talked about having a strong support system with your family. Mm -hmm. How did they support you and embrace you while you were incarcerated? And I don't necessarily know that it was a, a like a really strong support system. It was just that I was my mom's kid and my dad's kid and that's what they thought they were supposed to do so they never received a handbook on what to do if your teenage daughter winds up going to prison so they basically did what I told them to do and that was make bond give me an attorney accept the collect calls and send money mm -hmm. and that's basically what they did when I got released I never had to worry about whether or not I would have a place to live or transportation because I could always go home um, I could always use my one, you know, my my mom's car, so that just wasn't an issue. But I can just, I could not imagine where I would be had it not been, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know. So they didn't know that they would be in a support system. They just knew that I was a, their kid and I was in trouble, mm -hmm. and they were just willing to do what they could do to just help me through that system, that but, situation. But what a huge blessing that is yeah, because it is. there are so many women who don't have yes. that. Yes. And I'm sure you probably have met some yes. who don't have that. And yes. so what kinds of stories do you hear from them and how do they get through? Just all kinds of stories, um, especially with regards to the children. No mom, you know, wants to be separated from their children and if they have to be, not to be able to have any communication with them. So that was the biggest challenge that I saw women struggle with when I was incarcerated. A lot of them because they didn't have like support systems. So I never had to worry about soap and lotion and deodorant or if I wanted snacks from the commissary or anything like that but a lot of the women do so I've seen women like have to do certain things while in prison just to make it you know and that kind of stuff just really weighed on my heart so I was always a giving person so um, I would try to give to people who I saw you know that was their lot in the prison you know to make sure that they didn't have to do certain things to get things that they needed. What was prison like? Um, it was rough um, especially I, I admit I was not a model prisoner <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? I did like I broke all the rules, every rule that except number one, and I still know it, and that's murder. That's the only like prison rule that I didn't break. But I wasn't a model prisoner. But the thing about about me was that I was always a nice person when I wasn't acting crazy. And so the staff and the guards, they just still always liked me. The women, they always liked me and respected me. When I went in at 17, there were older women that had been there already in the cycle of recidivism. So they kind of just embraced me and took care of me. A couple that stand out or Barbara Baker, who's with the Center for Women in Transition, um, Rose Whiting, just a number of those older women that you know rallied around me and said, come on, that's not the way, don't do this, don't do that. Um, it didn't work all the time, but a lot of times it did work. Um, and so now being able to go back into the prison is just huge for me, the same prison where I served time, in spite of the way that I acted, because I wasn't a model prisoner. Yeah, but you were able to break the cycle of recidivism. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so many others don't yeah. for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And it's not for us to judge, but, yeah. but it is what it is. Yeah. So from your perspective, what would you say is perhaps one of the best ways to do that, to, to try to break the cycle? I know through your program what you're doing is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great start. What else is there? 
Can I think education is, is power. I believe that that's our key on our Facebook page. It's a golden key, and it says knowledge is power, and I really believe that. The more you know, the more you can do. And I just believe that this education, the piece with St. Louis Community College is going to be huge because for me it has been huge. Um, my journey through college and um, community college and four-year universities and grad school has been transformative for my life. So now when people hear, oh, I'm a wash, I just graduated from WashU, their ears perk up. You know, once before all they heard or saw was a convicted felon. Now they see a young lady who's running a, 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 a powerful organization in St. Louis mm -hmm. that has all of these letters behind her name and you know now they just kind of see me in a different light and I believe that I'm not just this special golden egg so to speak but that same thing can happen for so many other people but they just need the support and um, the encouragement that they can do it. Awesome and you've got a big grand opening coming up. I want to talk about that after the break. Okay. Stay with us back in a moment. Welcome back. You know, Chantel has a big, big announcement. We're talking about the big grand opening that's coming up on Monday. Tell us about it. So yes, it's our grand opening. Um, we purchased our own building um, last March and it through, the, through the rest of the year, it went through reno renovations and we're excited. We moved in last month and the grand opening is this Monday, February 18th from 11 to two. And we're just excited about that. Um, Yes, and that will also be the kickoff of our capital improvement. So it's a three-story building. We did renovate the first level, but we still have the other two levels that we want to renovate as well. And then where's your building? It's at 7267 Natural Bridge. It's in Normandy. It's in Normandy. Yes. Okay, so tell me about um, some other components, the transitional housing for women. Tell me about that. So yes, so we have a supportive housing program that the women can participate in after release. And it's two parts to it. So one is our transitional housing. Uh, we have three beds for women who are who we identify as really high risk needs. And they go into the transitional housing program where they can really like learn. Um, if they don't have a high school diploma, get a GED. They have up to a year to do that. And then they can transition, transition over into our permanent housing program, which is in partnership with the realty company here in St. Louis, where um, the women will actually be placed into their own fully furnished apartment. That's amazing. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> and Melissa, that has to do so much for the psyche. I oh, mean, yes. to go into your own place, mm -hmm. have your own space, yes. that's awesome. Yes. I mean, what does that do for, yes. for the women, you think? I think it's empowering. Yes. It's, it's absolutely em em empowering, and it, it gives them that individuality and that, that humane space again, you know, from being inmates to having my own. Um, I just think is, is huge for, for the mental. And I, I love that Chantel and I have, once the women are released, we're doing a mental health assessment like that day <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> to, to awesome. automatically connect yes. them uh, to services. So as they make those, and even though this is a great big positive transition, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Too, you know, to, to have all this new responsibility. Although there's, Chantel has a great team. She has case managers. She has a program coordinator. Um, she has us with the mental health team. But it can it can be a shock yeah. and it can be overwhelming. Yeah. In addition to be into being empowering right. as well. But I just think it it allows women to kind of like, you know, put their shoulders back and chest up and, and feel up. yeah mm -hmm. like a, a a citizen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was a goal of the program. So we didn't want them like all grouped together, like put them over here. We wanted them scattered about mm -hmm. so that they can feel like they actually fit back into the community. Mm -hmm. So that was important for me as well. Good point. All right, got to take a break. Final thoughts are up next. 
Welcome back. Time now for final thoughts. And Chantel, how about if we start with you, ma'am, your final thoughts? Okay, I would, my final thought would just be to always remember that there are no such thing, there's no such thing as throwaway people, that every person is valuable and meaningful and worthy, and they just need the support of those around them, especially in their own community, to help them realize that. Good point. Melissa, final thoughts, ma'am. Yeah, we didn't mention that the mental health services that they receive are actually online through video conferencing, and Chantel actually nice. provides the uh, the software and the ability for the women to do that. So just to integrate them into the 21st century with technology and being forward in those things and reducing all barriers to care. Um, just again, another just huge prioritization to mental health. Good point, love it. Dr. Perkins, mm -hmm. final thoughts, ma'am. Um, I would say just remember that education is transformative and I'm a true believer that everyone deserves and can achieve a college education. Good point. Right. Keyshawn, you gotta put the bow on it. Final <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> um, I would say remember that you're never alone and you always have somebody to help you. Give me some. Oh, oh, I love it, I love it. Thank you all so much, I appreciate it. And thank you for joining us for The Pulse of St. Louis. Remember if you missed any part of the show, download The Pulse of St. Louis podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores. And remember for news 24 seven, download the News 11 app. And for news during the week, be sure to watch News 11 at noon, four and seven. I'll see you next time.